Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm here today with Toronto designer Rebecca Hay from Rebecca Hay Designs. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited. So Rebecca and I have been back and forth for I don't even know how many, like, I feel like a good while trying to nail down a day and the day has come and I'm (laughs) very, very happy. And um, I think that she's going to be bringing it because she prepared probably more than I've ever seen anyone prepared. So I think this is going to be a gutter. Not to put any pressure on you. <laughs> no pressure. I shouldn't stop posting on Instagram stories. Then you would know. know what I'm up to. I know, right? <laughs> um, okay, let's, why don't we start? I would love to hear your backstory. Like how long have you been in business? Just all the things. How did you get Okay. Okay. My story is somewhat long and convoluted. So I'll give you the Coles notes version. Uh, I am originally from Toronto, but after I graduated high school, I was like, get me out of here. I need to explore the world. So I did actually my undergrad in Montreal at McGill. I did political science and English, completely applicable to design. Not at all. And then I decided I wanted to travel and learn Spanish. So I lived in Spain. I taught English for a couple of years. Then I ended up in Vancouver where I was pursuing a dream of being an actor. I had an agent. I was doing that. I was working days in a restaurant, nights in a restaurant between auditions because I always loved, um, I always loved theater and drama. I did it in high school. It was my passion. I loved, I was always a creator, like loved being creative, but I hated not having any control over my career. I'm like, this is not for me. I've always loved design. So I went back to school in Vancouver for interior design and I graduated with a diploma in interior design. And then I was ready to come home. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I need to find a job. I'm moving back to Toronto. Like, this is my new career. I was like late twenties, like 28 at the time. Oh my God. It makes me sound so old. Um, but <laughs> no, but for like listeners out there who are starting later in the game, like that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's, as long as you know, that that's what you want to do and you're passionate about it, just do it. So I came back to Toronto and I got a great job working for a high-end residential designer here in the city. And I worked for him for about four or five years. I really like put in my time mm-hmm. and then I got pregnant and was like, okay, this is not sustainable because I was still working on contract for him. I'm yeah. like, I need, and I'm, I'm actually an entrepreneur at heart. I'm more of an entrepreneur than I am a creative yeah. I, this is, this is a new thing that I'm learning about myself, Yeah, but, uh, so it's good to recognize that. And I, I always knew I wanted to run my own business. So I left and when I, right before I had my baby, I started doing some work in the world of television. So I worked on HGTV with the property brothers mm-hmm. for a season, which was a fantastic experience. Of course, I was passionate about film and television. I, that's sort of my other passion so kind of married the two together. And then I also, after that, worked a stint with Scott McGillivray on income property behind the scenes. Yeah. And then after that, I said, okay, now I'm going to just focus on my business. And so now I've been in business for five years. So overall, I've been in the industry for about 11 years, which is so crazy when I say that out loud. <laughs> um, so anyhow, yeah. So that's basically the Coles notes of how I got to where I am today. Well, I love it. And okay, here, here's a, a little insider thing on me. Like my dream is to be like a host of a TV show and I'm very curious, like how did you even, I guess you kind of had some sort of idea of like how to get connected to that sort of thing because you used to have an agent or like how, how did that happen? Yeah, no, it wasn't related to that at all. Uh, it was through someone I knew through Mm -hmm. Facebook, social media is a great connector. Uh, and she saw that I was doing design. I just started, I had my own business at that point. And she was like, Hey, like we're looking for designers. Would you be interested? I'm like, Oh my God, this is like my big break. I'm going to have my own TV show. (laughs) That hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Right. I'm with you. Like, yeah, yeah. yet. Yeah. Nothing really ever happens that fast in life. Anyways. Um, so I, I, so I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I interviewed and they hired me, um, as a segment designer and I designed various episodes and it was a real different experience. I'll tell you than when I worked for the high-end residential, right. so my experience was only high-end and I really knew nothing about budgeting right. and 
from what everybody knows from HGTV, it's all about dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really great learning experience. But to answer your question, it really was just through someone I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always, those TV shows are always looking for designers. So if anyone's ever interested in getting into that world, it wouldn't take much digging uh, to find out you know, what production companies are hiring. It's a great, great training. And I know some designers that that's all they do. Like they are TV designers. Yeah. Um, it's ultimately in the long term, I decided it wasn't for me because I wanted to work with bigger budgets. I yeah. wanted to have more control over my schedule because TV is literally like you got yeah. six weeks, you are on call 24 hours a day, you know, seven days a week, essentially. And, uh, they really, you really hustle. So I wanted to still hustle, but under my own, um, yeah. my own, on my own terms. It's interesting you say that. Cause I, I've wondered, um, before, like, can you even do that kind of thing and have your own clients? It's hard. Did you you can, yeah. I did. I tried it. It's hard. Yeah. Um, what I, I had an assistant at the time working for me. So the assistant would sort of help manage my personal clients mm-hmm. while I was doing TV. But the weeks when I would be doing an episode, it was like practically impossible to do any of my own project work. Right. Like I can't imagine going back and doing that now yeah. unless I had a dedicated team member to work with me on the TV show um, right. because it's a completely different way of working. Very interesting. It's like, like a whole way. other podcast <laughs> situation. Um, yeah. So you said you came from uh, the, you know, the experience you got shortly after school was in a high-end firm. What type of projects do you work on in your firm? Or would you consider them high-end? Like, where do you kind of fall in that spectrum? At the moment, we're mostly working with mid to high end. I wish we were doing more high-end and I'm gearing to do that because it's so fun to have a little bit more flexibility and freedom. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say mid, mid to high, I, you know, I feel really strongly about quality. And so I say this now when I have my first qualifying call with a potential client that I'm not going to source from, you know, big box stores because the quality of the product, I have to stand behind it. Yeah. And it's a reflection of, of me and I want to do only custom drapery. And yeah. so there's a certain amount of money that you need in order to do a home that way. So I'm trying to position that. Yeah. Um, so I would say it's mid to high. It's mostly young professionals mm-hmm. that are, you know, have growing, have growing families. I also have a young family. So that tends to resonate with my clients. They, they're like, oh my God, you get it. You yeah. have chaos at home too. Help me fix it. Or, you know, like I don't have time to do all of this stuff. I love it, but I'm working. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. Like I don't have the time to do this freaking running around. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. Sorry. Would you say, um, do you do more renovation or furnishing or a little of A and B? What, and what is kind of your bread and butter? Definitely both. Um, we've been doing, more renovations than decorating, but I would love to do more decorating, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a little bit, you get to be a bit more creative. The ideal project is full scale. So you do the whole renovation and then you fully decorate it. And those have been my most successful projects. Cause that's when, as you know, as a designer, you've creative control over everything. So the fabric relates to the tile that relates to the counter that relates to the cabinets, right? So you're doing it all together as opposed to, you know, designing in isolation where you just do one thing and then years later you do the next. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's get to the topic at hand. Yes. I'm very curious. You said you've had your business now for five years. What year were you in when you made your first hire and what was it? Uh, That is a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. I have to think back I feels like so long ago, you know, because I had two babies in the past five years, things are a little skewed because, um, I sort of would take pauses where I wasn't really working. And so I didn't have someone helping. I would say though, like year two, if not the end of year one, I brought someone on to help with AutoCAD. Okay. And I think the reason I did it so early in my career was because I was pregnant. Right. And I had a baby at home and I realized no, sorry. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. It was when I had just after I'd had my first child okay. and I just didn't have the hours and the day to do it all. So it's okay. really forced me to delegate. 
And, and how did you, fi- okay, so here's, here's where I'm at, trying to figure out, and this, this podcast, everybody knows I do this. <laughs> it's for you. That's <laughs> good. I love it. Things that I need to know. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of at a point where it's like, I want to have an assistant and I sometimes see people online, you know, you're watching these Insta stories and let's be real. We're all following each other. Like mm-hmm. designers are following designers. I did a poll and it was like 70% of the people who answered were just <laughs> So it's like, okay. But, um, and you're like, you know, you asked yourself like, okay, you, you, you hired this person. Like, how do you know, how, or how did you know? And, or maybe you did it. And it was like a, a, a big learning curve. How did you know how to charge? And like, were they full time that person? And how did you make ends meet? Like, it's so fresh mm-hmm. in your business to know, like I can handle doing this. And you know, that's not a low, I don't know if that's, I would assume that's not like a 20 hour, $20 an hour type gig. So I'll tell you what I did, but what I do want to tell you is this is what I would do. Okay. Um, so I'll tell you what I did first. And then I'm going to share with you, like basically the three things that I would have been better at had I known. Okay. So what I did do is I hired a girl who's awesome and she did AutoCAD drawings. She'd done them for a friend. And so she billed me, I think at the time, maybe it was $18 an hour, maybe $20 an hour, uh, just to do AutoCAD. Okay. Um, because I was getting, you know, AutoCAD's time consuming and I was, though I was very good at it, it took a lot of time. So then that's, that morphed into needing someone to help in general. So as a general assistant, so then that person started doing more tasks for me and helping. And then that person morphed into helping with design docs, which is the uh, accounting software we use, helped with presentations and mood boards. And then they kind of became an extension of me. Mm-hmm. that's what I did. Then what happened was I'm like, Oh, I need some, I need more help. I need more help. I'm getting busy. I need more help. But I was never really paying attention to the finances. Okay. So classic, classic artist mistake. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm like, why am I not making money? <laughs> I'm so busy <laughs> because I was so busy on all these projects that were relatively small, but I yeah. couldn't handle it on my own. And so I had like, at one point I had two designers working for me. So here are the mistakes that I made. The first one was that I was way too focused on the hourly cost. Mm-hmm. I lost the best person I could have had. It was like losing. So it was my first employee. My husband always says, it's like your first breakup. He's like, oh, everyone remembers their first, Rebecca. <laughs> like, screw you. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I swore. No, um, hey. yes, it's all good here. <laughs> Because I was so obsessed with how much it was costing me. So every task she did, I was like, how many hours does that take? Oh my God, it's this many hours. Okay, well, I only want her here till two o'clock. I'm like, okay, it's two o'clock. You can leave. You're off the clock now. And I was so obsessed with the hourly. And I was obsessed with that for a long time that unfortunately it was not enjoyable for the people that were working for me. And this particular person ended up going to work for another firm. And at the time I was very upset and hurt because I thought they were going to grow this beautiful thing with me. And we were like this team and, you know, all those entrepreneurial visions. Yeah. Um, but ultimately it's just a job and that person needs to feel like their value is in the job and their value isn't in the hours that they're giving you, mm-hmm. which I think is somewhat the flaw in an hourly system, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Um, so that would be the first thing is I was so obsessed with the hourly. What I did do is I did mark that person up. So the hours that they would spend on a project they would invoice me obviously. And I would then mark those up and bill a client. Now I never marked it up enough. I think at the time they were charging me 18 or 20 and I would, I build them out at like 35 or 45. Like it was crazy. Um, and then a mental barrier on like, did you feel like yeah at first with like, it feels wrong. And that's kind of why you went lower or like, what do you chalk? Totally. I had my own sticker shock classic. I still do. And I just assumed that my clients didn't want to pay for that. Yeah. They've hired me. They don't want to have to pay for that second person. Yeah. So I would do that. And then what would happen though, is any of the hours that she would spend like working in like, um, sorry, on the business with me, I didn't bill. So any administrative hours or what I did was the classic designer mistake. I don't know if you call it a mistake, which was discounting always my hours, like looking at the invoice being like, Oh my God, Holy crap. The client's never going to pay for six hours of fabric sourcing. We need to reduce that. Yeah. So I did that. So I obsessed a little bit over the hourly. And then the other thing that I think I made a mistake of that, you know, hopefully you and others won't make this moving forward is I didn't have a clear 
description of what their role was. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't clear, like big organizations I've learned now from my own like research and training, they have actual role descriptions. I'd never worked in a big organization. I've never worked for like a firm or a Rogers or a marketing firm. So I didn't know this, but organizations have like a description. Your role is this and you're responsible for these things. I never gave that to them. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for them to understand what was expected of them. And then my expectations were always so high and no one could ever meet them. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you have those laid out so that the person who's doing the job for you can, can, you know, meet your expectations. You know what, when you say that too, because another thing, um, I feel like it's good even just like to manage their expectations as far as what they do so that they can be okay. They they're bought into what they, what's on that, you know, whatever that task list is not task list, but job description. Mm -hmm. Because if, if what you need, or for me, for example, I feel like I need somebody to offload those like $20 tasks that I have no business doing because I should be working on client work or taking on new clients, not saying no, because I have to return a bunch of accessories, which we were going to talk about installation. But, um, but you know, then I feel bad while I'm sending her to do a bunch of returns and this sucks. And so I have this Mm -hmm. mental issue with that. But I think if you do lay the groundwork or it's like managing expectations with your client, managing expectations with your, your so that everybody's like, you're cool with this. I'm like, this is your role and this is how you're going to help me. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's a good call. Um, Did that person work from home? Like where, where was your office? Like in that first year? Yes. I worked from home. I had a spare bedroom, uh, at the front of my house. I actually worked there for the first three years of my business. And I had like, at one point I had like, there was like four or five of us, including an intern working out of my house. Like, Oh my God, crazy. (laughs) Lunch in the backyard. I had a nanny at home with my kid. It was like, like, guys, be very quiet when you're going to the bathroom (laughs) because Joseph's sleeping in the other room. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. So they did work out of my house. So it was convenient. But when we did finally move, it was so much better. But you also, I want to just touch on that last point, which is don't forget, like personality is so important too. If you're going to bring somebody on board yeah, to like, keep in mind that they need to be a representation of your brand Mm -hmm. and they need to be someone who, if they are in front of clients, they just seem like a natural extension of you because I've made the mistake of hiring someone who was super qualified and ticked all the boxes, but yeah. that rubbed my clients the wrong way or rubbed my trades and suppliers the wrong way, which made yep. them frustrated with me as mm-hmm. a firm. Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, okay. So your first year, at the end of your first year, going into your second year, you hire somebody that does the, your CAD drawings and then they start taking on administrative stuff. So that, do they become almost full-time then fairly quickly? Yes, they did. It was always on contract initially because it was full-time, like air quotes, because, you know, some weeks it would be a little bit less, some weeks it would be a little bit more, and it was always hourly, so they would just invoice me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only until recently that I actually put some, I put my employees onto payroll, which is like a whole other ballgame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was essentially full-time, yes. In and- hindsight, I probably would have hired a better administrative person earlier, Okay. Because I'm not strong at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I waited too long. I just this year have a full-time like office manager who does the bookkeeping and all the admin and the invoicing and the orders. Mm-hmm. I wish I had been smart enough to bring that person on like two years prior. Right. I mean, yeah, because you're probably feeling like you left so much money on the table, potentially, if you had just had a better understanding. Totally, because you're so busy running around. I didn't, I'm like, oh, I'll look at the financials. I didn't even know what that meant to look at the financials. (laughs) (laughs) And so you said that they were full-time, but like, you know, maybe slower here and slower there. How did you manage that with with that person? Like, how did that work as far as like when they might, you might not, because obviously at the beginning of any business, like you don't know how many clients you're going to have. Sometimes mm-hmm. it gets crazy. And then all of a sudden there's not as much cash flow coming in. So how did you set that up with that employee so that it, it felt, you know, mm-hmm. like, feel a bit like, oh, sorry, don't come in this week. Eee, you know? So I think I was lucky. I never really had like weeks where I didn't need somebody's help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also, once you bring somebody onto your team, yeah. you feel a sense of responsibility to get more work. It's yeah. so funny. It's like we should be out there doing sales and bringing in clients for ourselves. But until there's some, somebody else that you're responsible for, 
it almost gives you that extra kick in the butt. So it also frees you up a little bit to do a little bit of marketing, you know, a little bit more of that stuff that's working on your business because they're able to do AutoCAD or sourcing or I don't know, presentation boards, whatever it is. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this, in your opinion, I guess I'm curious, do you think that the first hire should be somebody who can do some design work or do you think the first hire should be somebody who can offload those low level tasks that are very administrative, like running errands. Like where I'm curious what you're like, if you had to do it over again, like, do you feel like that was the best thing to do or. So really that's a tough question because, you know, I hear other people say hire the person who can do admin first, hire them first. That's the first thing to do. But at the same time, like AutoCAD super time consuming delivering and picking up accessories is super time consuming returning samples. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I still think that the first person would be somebody who can do the errands, but can also do design. And I think most designers starting out are just happy to get that experience. Right. So they're happy to run around. I think we project onto them our own feeling of guilt of like, Oh, I feel bad. They are doing this task that nobody likes. Yeah. But they're probably quite happy to do it because they've got a job, they're working from you and they're and working with you and they're learning. Yeah, you know what? Like most of my life, I just got to work on my mindset on things for that, I think, because that's totally how I feel. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you another thing? I'm curious how you feel about this. Like, are you, are you a perfectionist? Totally. And <laughs> how the worst you, like, thing. <laughs> I mean, for me, like you said, okay, I liked what you said, you know, getting those accessories. Okay, but I'm like, I'm a control freak. Uh, and I yeah. like, I shouldn't get those accessories. And, and how do you, okay, we're going to shelf that for a hot minute. Because yeah, I mean, that's a lot. I know what you're saying. That's so tough. It's part of installation to me. Um, but okay, yeah. so, so how many people do you currently have in, um, at your firm? Employed? I currently have two cool. full-time employees okay. and a part-time designer. As well as, sorry, as well as a a girl on contract who does some marketing for me. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So can you outline what those, aside from the marketing, we know she does marketing. um, What do the three roles look like and how have you, you know, what do they, what gaps do they fill for you specifically? So I'm at a stage now in my business where I have an intermediate designer slash project manager who truly excels in project management, um, but she's also helping with design. Mm -hmm. So that person, that intermediate designer does everything from AutoCAD and creating presentations to sourcing with under my creative direction. So she'll present me with, okay, we were talking about doing white dining chairs and she'll present me with different options. And I'm like, okay, it's that. Yes. Or that's not really what I was thinking or, um, you know, let's change direction or something. She does that. She also does client communication now. So she's the point person with all of my clients once they've joined us on board. Mm-hmm. And then she's really where she really excels and where it's, I'm finding helping me the most is in project management. Mm-hmm. So once we move into our third phase, which is our implementation, she's the one coordinating the trades, making sure that the Tyler does it goes and inspects, but she's learned from being basically with me now for three years and following me around the perfectionist pointing out every flaw that makes contractors crazy. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I guess I probably, um, been a little hard on her sometimes where I'm like, how do you not notice the crack in the mirror? Right. Because to me, it just comes naturally. I just see imperfections everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's awful. It's great for your husband. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know my poor husband. <laughs> He's very tolerant. <laughs> But, uh, and so she's now she's, I'm really, it's really a a very proud moment for me is to see her really fully coming into that role. And so she's really able to help in that area. So she's really basically doing everything I can do. And in some ways she can do it better because I've learned that my skill is actually in really the client to client, the in-person communication, you know, the, the, the PR, the getting out there and spreading the word. That's my area of expertise. 
and then the creative direction. Like I know what works in the space. So I will, I spearhead that whole design, but I'm not yeah. actually doing the AutoCAD drawings anymore. Yeah. I'm not actually running around and sourcing anymore unless I want to, or unless I want to go and get inspired. Right. And, okay. and then, yeah. Okay, go ahead. The second person yeah. is our office manager. Uh-huh. So she does, and this is a new role. She joined us less than a year ago. Uh, she's our bookkeeper now. So I've eliminated my external bookkeeper. It's a lot easier to have it in-house because we're, yeah. we're catching up the books much more frequently. Mm-hmm. She does all client invoicing as well as uh, vendor purchase orders. And okay. then she's tracking all of the orders and she coordinates all the deliveries. Okay. It's, okay. This is another big one. My mind set right now is I feel like I want someone to take care of. For me, phase two, because um, I don't really deal with renovations, I go phase one is design, uh, like kickoff to presentation. Phase two is uh, purchasing and execution of any like small, like construction-y type stuff. And then phase three is installation. So my thinking was I hire somebody who could mostly handle phase two, which is a lot of like scheduling painter mm-hmm. um, and purchasing. But this purchasing is a big one. Totally time consuming. It's, and, it, and that's why I'm like, this is not what I should be doing. But it's really scary because I figure, okay, if I have somebody doing the purchasing for me, they have access to my bank account. So I, I don't have that. Okay. How do you do it? Okay. <laughs> so I'm still, I'm still figuring this stuff out too. So you're not alone. Okay, great. Um, so I print off this statement, which was a big step for me to print off even the bank statement, right? Which is right. so crazy because bookkeepers need to know what's going on in the bank, but <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm still kind of new at this whole financials thing. Yeah. So I would print off the statement, um, monthly and I give her the visa statement, the bank statement, um, any statements that I would have. And then she could, so that way she can reconcile it the way a bookkeeper would. So she can look back and she'll say, Hey, look, you know, this vendor charged us twice the same amount. Oh shoot. That's a mistake. So she's catching that, right? Well, I would never catch that in the past because I was too busy to sit down and go through. Okay. That's a cop out. I wasn't too busy. I just really wasn't into it. So <laughs> it was like, the, it was like the least of my priorities. Yeah. Well, for <laughs> so sure. I probably yeah. lost money. Yeah. Okay, but so how does the purchasing work though? Okay, so let's say you have like $50,000 worth of furniture to buy. Yeah. And your, your person who is your office manager slash bookkeeper is doing that, right? Right. So how are they, okay, they send off the PO and is it just, okay, like are they just, okay, green light, use the credit mm-hmm. card? Yes, yeah. So the, she, she uses the credit card. We, we pay for almost everything using our credit card. Uh, some vendors, as you know, need check. Uh, in that case, she will write the check and then she'll put the check out for me with the invoice so I can inspect it and make sure everything looks good and normal because sometimes I see it and I say, why is this installation so expensive or something? Yeah. So I'll catch something that she wouldn't necessarily know because she's not a trained designer. Yeah. Uh, and then I sign the check and she sends it. Okay. I think I just had an aha moment. Ooh, so you know do how tell. I'm doing this? <laughs> this is crazy. And I'm realizing the error of my ways right now. So, okay. Client gives me a check for, let's say $50,000. I deposit the check into my account, into my bank account, into a specific account Mm -hmm. for purchasing. Fine. Nothing wrong there. Okay. And then I do the purchase because right now I have not let go of that because I'm still trying to Mm -hmm. hire it because it's just a lot of money to like, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. just, I don't want to screw it up. But now I'm realizing a new way, which is what you just said. But you know what I would do? I would take, okay, I'm contacting LT Market. $5,000 needs to go to LT Market. I would transfer $5,000. Like while I'm on the phone with them, I transfer $5,000 from my purchasing account to my credit card so that mm-hmm. like immediately I've used my credit card and I've paid it at the same time. And like truth be told, my credit card's not like, God, it's not huge. So I need, that needs to happen. But mm-hmm. realistically, I could just go, okay, I'm going to transfer $10,000 and at a time and just have my person have a cre- access to the credit card that then they just call. They don't have to be moving all the money like I was doing. Oh no, exactly. Yeah. That's what I would, that's I a great idea. Over, yeah. Like I convoluted that whole process. Unnecessary. And then you could have that person say, you need to let me know uh, what, what purchases you want to make and how much money I need to move. And then they would, they would say, okay, Michelle, you've got 
we're going to make these three purchases from LT Market and from Ginger's and whatever. So that's about $7,000. You say, okay, great. I'll let you know when the money's there. And then they can purchase it for you. Oh my God. It's so be huge time savings. <laughs> then they can track that too, right? So then they can yeah. be tracking that order. And, and there's know, no reason a designer can't do that for you. You don't need to hire a bookkeeper specifically no, I for agree. that. And, and realistically, like I, I was on the fence. I'm like, do I want someone who's just going to become like ama- an amazing admin to me who can do like, not like where they're not striving to become a designer because I'm like, I'm not sure I'm ready to give any of that up yet. And I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. going to for that but I don't know if that's a bad mindset or if I should be saying like find a designer who's willing to do like the work and but but, okay can I ask you a question I don't know if you're gonna want to answer it or not but I'm gonna ask it anyways because you gotta ask Um, (laughs) tell me like how do you uh what do you pay say the designer who's I think you're starting out immediate designer for example slash office office manager if you're comfortable So, I mean, if it's on contract, is that what you sort of mean? Like, so yeah, let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. So we had an intermediate designer on contract and it was, she was, we were paying her $24 an hour. Okay. But I know that it varies depending on the firm, um, and depending on experience level. Right. So you bill out any of the time worked on a project at a higher rate. So I used to, however, I now only do fixed fees. Right. So yes. So I've changed my entire process. It has changed my life. Okay. But it's like, you're considering that into the mix. hundred percent. So we're tracking the hours and at the end of the project, um, we sit down and we look at how many hours were spent, Mm -hmm. what I charge the client. So what does that mean? Like how much, how much is my profit essentially? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we're general, constantly you're tweaking. You're coming in lower than the estimated, which is the goal, obviously. Um, and there's profit there, or you're not going over hours, ideally. So to be honest, it's really hit and miss depending okay. on the project. We found we just completed a big project, and our profitability was really hurt by the fact that we had to go to site so much more due to construction. Um, than we would have ever on a normal project. Okay. So, and with the fixed fee, there's no way to recoup that. Right. So fixed fees are not for everyone. You have to have a good way of calculating it and finding it. Mm-hmm. But yes, when I used to charge hourly, I would always uh, mark those hours up 100%. And, okay, if you had to, what would you say, like, what's your, because I, I, I figure those fixed fees are driven based on estimated number of hours times like what you would charge on an hourly basis. What would your, what would your hourly fee be if you were hourly? So, I mean, on my website, my hour, I don't know if it's on my website anymore actually, but my hourly fee is two twenty five. Mm-hmm. but it's kind of an arbitrary number because I never charge yeah. it by yeah. hour. Although I do have in my contract that if anything goes outside of the scope or if they wanted to say tech on, we just want you to help us also do this room, then I could bill hourly for that. So it is in my contract. So people see that, but I haven't actually had to charge it. Okay. And that, yeah, it's like you have it there as just like in case you have that horrific client where you just got to pull it out, right? Yes, exactly. And that's why yeah. contracts are so essential. I never used yeah. to have them. And then I would have like a one pager. Now I have like a 10 pager. Yeah. But it's just for those situations. And every time you do a job, you learn something new and you're like, okay, got to put that in the contract. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Do you remember what you were charging an hour when you started like year one? I was charging $115 when I first started. Okay. All right. And another question relating to the hourly, this is when you started hiring people, like, did you, you just worked your way through that and trial and error and figured it all out? Totally, totally trial and error. I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) This is the thing that like freak that I just can't wrap my head around. Okay. So you're like, I know it's just like, it's an arbitrary number. Like you said, 225 an hour. So, okay, let's say you yourself are doing something on a project. So client A, uh, we'll call him, we'll call her Marcia. She, you're working on Marcia's project <laughs> and you've got your bookkeeper doing some stuff. I don't know. They're, they're going to pick up a bunch of samples and that took them a couple hours. Then you've got your um, intermediate, uh, or I think that's what you said, um, designer. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and then you. So all three of you are working on t- uh, time. 
are you, how are you tracking that? Is it every hour cre- created equal? Like, so I, you did two hours, your office manager did two hours, your inter- all three of you. Did, so is that just six hours worth of work, AKA 225 when you're trying to net out your time at the end of it? Or in, do you know what I'm trying to say? I think I know what I'm trying to say. What we do though is, so everyone enters their hours. So my bookkeeper okay. enters or office manager enters their hours with the, saying what the tasks are that she's doing. And okay. then the intermediate designer does that too. And then I do that too. Um, and then you can decide based on the project what that billing rate would be uh-huh. within design docs, which is what we use. So, okay. uh, so that we can then look at the end of the project because we're not billing on a biweekly or monthly basis it's fixed fee, we can then look and say, okay, so based on what my client paid, um, and you know, we're basically getting this much per hour and you can kind of play around with the number. Okay. And for the ease of like small numbers. Okay. Let's say your fixed fee was a thousand dollars and you worked, your fee is 225. It's like what you put as your, uh, fee in uh, design docs, right? And you track your mm-hmm. time at 225. Your um, intermediate, whatever, uh, whatever. let's say you put them in at $50. And then your bookkeeper, well, I'm just, I don't know. It doesn't matter yeah. what this number is, $50. So times two, everyone does two hours. So basically, the, the 50 two hours, times two is $100. Yeah. Yeah. 50 times two is $100. 225 times two is 450 so mm-hmm. I'm at, and let's say that at the end of the project now, we, we tally all this up and it all goes into the $1,000. So we're at $450, $550, So it's $650 of the 1000 has been used by all of these employees that contributed to the project. That's basically right. more or less how it is calculated. Basically, yeah. And that's also at their marked up rate, right? That's not actually yeah. what I'm paying them. But Go then on. you have to account for all your expenses. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, you know, I, there's a great book. That's a free book. It's by the guy who started fresh books. I don't know if you've fresh books. Yeah. You should check it out. It's like a little downloadable thing from their website. And it's, I don't remember what it's called, but it's about billing, why billing hourly versus billing for the value that you offer. Yeah. And it was a real eye opener when it, it's like, I don't know, it's like 10 pages. It's like, so, it's ridiculously small and short, but it's so to the point. Um, and it, it just, it re, it will, it gives you a different sense of how to look at billing by the hour. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. I don't even know what it's called, but you can um, go to Fresh Well, Books. on the same front, actually, if, if you, there's um, Jonathan Starks or something. Um, pro, no, uh, I can't remember. Um, but he, I listened to his podcast and it was a similar mm-hmm. thing. But you know what it is for me? It's like, I have figured out... Like I've, I've managed to figure out like generally how much time will take on a project for me, but I feel like you obviously do have to increase your hourly rate. I, I guess where I was starting to get confused was like, I didn't know whether the principal designer's hourly rate was like a higher number because it's also supposed to be covering those other employees. No, no, don't okay. try and fit them into your rate. You're never going to make any money. Okay. You're going to go belly up. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. And that's where I'm like, I want to hire, but then you start to like go, I don't understand how I can afford to have like, you know, you start telling that up and then you think about like, well, this is how much I made last year and like what I need to make, but it really is. And then you start thinking about, okay, I need to up my hourly rate, which is totally great. But at the same time, you know, I just up my hourly rate and now I've like set myself a minimum project uh, fee that I'll accept. And it's like crickets right now. Everybody that contacts me doesn't meet my criteria. And I'm like, Oh my God. So when you, you know, what was it like for you? Like, was it a difficult transition to like, I did it really, really gradually, like Mm -hmm. super slowly. Yeah. Uh, The one thing I will say though, like I think hold out because if you're charging what you think the value is, people will come. I just raised my consultation fee mm-hmm. um, considerably from what it used to be. I'll tell you, it used to be five fifty for a consultation. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not always getting, not always. Sometimes I'm getting amazing clients, but yeah. I would get people that were who couldn't really afford to hire a designer. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, okay, here I am thinking that's a lot of money, but you also offer a lot of value in that time. Yeah. So. I was going to up it a little bit. And then my husband's like, no, up it more to where you think that the right client will hire you. So I upped it, uh, Mm -hmm. December 31st and it was crickets literally for a month. I'm like, this is really scary. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then all of a sudden I've had two new projects, two new people hire me in that consultation. And it's a completely different level of project. Okay. So don't get discouraged. It just starts to get scary, but I, I, this is one thing, like I, I deal with like anxiety on a lot of things, but while I'm still kind of like, Oh my God, I'm still holding out trust in the universe on this one. And like, I'm going to get what I need when I need it. Um, I need to obviously, I'm not saying it's just going to land on my lap or anything, but you know, I, I'm, I'm just like, this was what I told myself and I'm going to hold myself to this, to what I committed to myself. So I've been trying to do that. But okay, you know, when we talk about all this, like I want, I would love to talk about installation because this is like a hot topic for me. Yes. So I saw, yes. I watched your Insta stories one day and I saw like, what are your typical installations? How many days does an installation day typically look like for you? It just depends on the size of the project. So we did, a, back in the fall, we did an installation of a condo, a three-bedroom condo, and that was a one-day installation. Okay. Um, also, condos are a bit of an extra pain in the butt because you got to uh, coordinate yeah. the elevator and all the rest. I just did one <laughs> on Wednesday, and I was texting a group of designer friends saying, like, yeah, you know what? I'm not sure I'm in love with condo projects. Yeah. <laughs> they would not be my top choice, though some of them are, are fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot more logistics involved in those. And then we recently did um, the three, we did a model home in Aurora, the Mm -hmm. Laurel. And we, that one was three or four days because it was a four bedroom, you know, 5,000 square foot home. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the condo. Cause that's more in line with like the type of projects I might get size wise. I don't do 5,000, you know, so how many people do you have on installation day? So I always have the project lead who is typically like the intermediate designer who's been managing everything myself Mm -hmm. and then sometimes an extra hand. Mm -hmm. So in the in that case, I actually had two extra helpers. I had my office manager come just on the first day to receive all the deliveries. We had Mitman. It's a local delivery company, pick everything up. They'd also stored a lot of items for us because products were ready before the house was or the condo Mm -hmm. was. And then she made sure when it was delivered and she checked everything off because yeah. she's responsible. She's the one who placed the order. She's the one who coordinated it. It's her responsibility to make sure. So, so she was there that lead? first day. Okay. No, sorry. So that, no, yeah. my office manager Got did it. that. Sorry. Got it. Um, but, but in your case, like that one person who's helping you could have the list and be checking it off. Yep. Uh, and then I had an extra set of hands because it was a tight time frame and construction ran late. So it was super dirty. Mm-hmm. So I had another assistant designer helping us clean, unpack boxes and set up. So there was four of us that day. Okay. So this is my brain right now. So there's four of you. Um, you are, and how, how long is that day? Ooh, that's a long day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a long day. I mean, it was, should we say 10, know. 12 hours? Actually, that day was shorter. That's why I needed more people because we had the client coming at the end of the day. The client came at like um, five o'clock. So oh. we needed to be done by 4.30. Okay. Let's call it an eight-hour day. Yeah. Wait, no. I mean, you probably started early. It was okay. probably... No, it was probably like a seven-hour day, realistically. It was a shorter okay. day. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, this is me going through it. I, this is where my... I need somebody to tell me what's possible here so that I can open up my brain. And that's normally what helps me get to another level is like someone who says, yes, Michelle, you can hire more people to help people will pay to have more like they you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying like yeah totally it sounds like you're caught up in the hourly like you're you're now tell me if I'm wrong okay like if I bring four people on oh my god that's gonna be you know 20 bucks a person times that by eight hours oh my god now I have to charge this to my client are they gonna say that's ridiculous I'm not gonna pay is that what you're thinking hundred percent because there's also because here's here's the deal like obviously I don't want to focus on hourly, but at the same time, I want to be paid. I want at least to get my hourly, if not more, right? Like I still Mm -hmm. have to uh, pay those people. I still have to pay myself what my hourly fee is. And then like for you, if you're going to be shopping, let's say for the accessories, how many, how much time goes into that for you? For for an entire condo, let's call it. Um, it's a lot of, t- it's accessories are time consuming. Yeah. So we've been trying to do some of the bigger accessories in advance, like pick art early. Okay. Um, so that the client can approve it and everything yeah. is good. So that the accessories, I mean, I probably put in 
maybe two or three hours for a condo of that size. I mean, it's not a big space because I'm trying to be specific about, I'm trying not to go to home sense to be honest, because it's so much more work. Um, we tend up getting a few things from there, but we'll go to like LT, LT market, I don't know, crate and barrel. And we'll try and, and, and narrow down where we're getting the accessories from so that I'm not running around the city. Yeah. Okay. I, that's the thing. That's kind of where I'm actually been thinking about getting my own inventory of some key items. I've heard of designers doing that. I think if you have the space for it, I think that's a great idea. It saves a lot of, of the legwork. Cause if I'm being honest, it takes me at least six hours. If, if there's a, like, believe, yeah, totally. Like 10, and maybe that's a bit of an experience too. Like maybe I'm not that fast, but because I also, my, I also try to buy more than I need because I want to be able to play and make the most perfect vignettes because also I don't do renovations. I feel like I'm there specifically to accessorize perfectly. Right. That's kind of my, where my head's at. So I buy more. And then I also then have to reload my car because I have so much to return. So then there's also a return day, which I know yeah, like, that's the worst day and is the worst. I know that's, I get my assistant to do that now. But, um, but okay. So what can I ask? Like, what would you value-based charge? And you don't have to answer this if you're not comfortable, but for, for the installation day part of things, like to include all so of So my installation day is included in the fixed fee that the client pays for our project implementation. Mm-hmm. So I don't build for that separately. It's just part of the service. Right. So it's like part of raising your rate yeah. is that you can offer a greater service. It's like classic Kimberly Selden, business of design. I mean, yeah. it's, it's classic, you know, if you charge more, then you can offer more value and you can include things like a hotel overnight stay or a full mm-hmm. installation day with a full white glove service, right? Yeah. I think that people will pay for that because they see the value. Yeah. Um, I think possibly in your situation, it would make the most sense to give your clients that heads up, whether it's at the very beginning, just let you know on installation day, I do bring an associate with me to help. It's a big day, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And, 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 you, and I will be billing for the full day at <laughs> such and such a rate. And if they yeah. have that expectation set ahead of time, then you don't have to worry. You always know you have that one person. And if you decide to bring on that second person to help you, then you do it and, and you let your clients know, listen, it's a really big job. Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing on a second associate, it's going to look amazing. We want to make sure everything is perfect for you. you just, it's all yeah. about how you frame it, fra- sort of phrase it to the client. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure as long as they know in advance what to expect, yeah. And there's no surprises that they would pay for that. Okay. I, you know what it is? I just, I keep seeing like bigger design firms and I see installation. I'm like, there's like five people running around on installation day and I know it can lead like be multiple days. Mm-hmm. And I think the reality is too, I'm just not at the point where I, it is a luxury service what we do. And, mm-hmm. you know, probably there's, these people are also, these firms are working with much higher budget clients than I am. So I, there's a little bit of that and I have to just like be patient for that to be kind of where I'll be one day. But, um, okay. Can I, I'm going to ask you another question before we wrap up because I know we're coming up on an hour. And okay. I'm ready. I, I, this is a weird question. <laughs> this is like an assumption I have in my head and I want you to tell me, no, Michelle, that's not what happens. Um, when you're billing at an hourly rate at 225 or like I'm picturing also like Kimberly Selden, I want to say hers is like three something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are, are those, are that hourly rate, those designers are hundred percent tracking all of their time and actually billing for all of their time. I like, don't, don't make that assumption. Don't make that. I, I think we all think everyone else has it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think every design firm out there is is like as diligent as Kimberly Selden would like them to be. Mm-hmm. And I guess my, like in my head, I go, you know, I guess it, I just start to crunch those numbers and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I think about, you know, being on a project for however long or even that installation day. And then I start to think, well, maybe the numbers are higher because it also includes like, like, like I was saying earlier, having assistance on hand on that day where you're just not having as much profit during installation day, but that is not the case, right? That's no. not how 
I'm also trying to make sure I understand, you know, a principal designer's fee in relation to others and what is appropriate for that fee to be including. So I don't, I mean, again, I don't charge hourly anymore, but I don't think that that should come out of your hourly. Like, I don't think that that should, it shouldn't hurt your bottom line to give a better quality service to your customer. That doesn't make sense. And I think the big design firms that we see, I see them too. And I know some of them and they're fabulous and they have lots of designers. They have like, you know, handful of designers on staff employees and they are killing it, but their projects have probably much higher budgets. Yeah. You know, they're not doing a $1,500 sofa. They're doing a $15,000 sofa. Totally. And there so is their a margins profitability there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think you don't stop sweating the hourly you're doing it. You're killing it. You just need to focus on providing that value and educating your clients on that value. And I think they will pay for it. You know what? And this is the reason I ask is I've, I've definitely found that as soon as, so very early, I don't know if you're in Facebook groups, like, uh, do you know who Veronica Solomon is? Yeah. I met them actually at high point. Oh my God. Okay. But I'm not active on Facebook at all. So I feel like I'm missing out. (laughs) Well, you know what? It's for the best. I have to shut down all the groups because otherwise it sucks you in. And I just go in when I need something or I'm like, Oh, I want to read what people are asking and see the answers. But I had a call with her and when she told me how much money she was making a month off of like product sales in addition to service, like it, it helped me understand what was possible, which helped me be able to, to open your, like half the time our successes have a lot to do with what we believe is possible. So I want to ask these questions because I want to understand what's actually possible and like, can I be charging more um, versus am I charging too much for something or, you know, is that Mm -hmm. unreasonable? And this, this hourly rate, you know, 225 or whatever that looks like once I get, you know, to that level, is it supposed to include other things other than just my time? And I just don't know it or, you know what I mean? Like what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. I mean, to be honest, it does include other things because it's including things like rent, uh, paper supplies, your fax, fax machine. I don't, that makes me sound old. Does that date me? (laughs) No one has a fax machine, Rebecca. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like yes. it does, it, it may not cover the cost of your assistant, yeah. but that that's, and even the margin, like you've got a, you've got overhead, even if you don't have an office space. Yeah. So you do have to th- take that into consideration. It's not like you're taking two, $225 home to the bank and you're going to go buy a pair of jeans. Like that's not how it works. Yes. And I so, think once you do have your own office space, like you kind of have to demand more because you do have the overhead you need to work on or like hundred percent. And that's what's happened to me. It's like, I have these people that I've employed. We can deliver this service. I can't take on just a bathroom reno anymore because it doesn't make financial sense for me. Yeah. So it pushes you. And when, when did you actually move into an office? I noted it, but I forget. And where did you... Uh, about almost two years ago, a year and a half ago, we're up on, on Tycos, but I share yep. the office space with my husband's company. Okay. That's freaking genius. Yeah. So it saves us a lot of money. Yeah. That's amazing. And but was it convenient. scary at first though? Or I mean, that must've been the greatest moment. Oh my God. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get out of my freaking house because I had two kids at that point yeah. and it was just not, not possible. I needed the bedroom for my child. Yeah. So like when we, when I, I was on mat leave, actually quote unquote mat leave the four months I <laughs> sort of took off Yeah. Uh, while after we'd moved into the office. So I really didn't get to be there right when we moved in. And then when I finally started getting back to work full time, oh my God, it made me the happiest person in the world just to leave my house, yeah. be in a, in a, in a creative environment mm-hmm. and then on the, and then come home on the weekend and not have to stare at the mountains of work that I have waiting for me for my morning. Yeah. That is, that is the dream. That's it's a dream, cool. but yeah, it will happen. It will happen. You just got to keep putting in the work. Yeah. And okay. So is there anything that you want to share that we didn't chat. I mean, cause I, I like to get in a little deep on certain topics, but is there anything you want to share that we didn't get to talk about? Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like, Oh yes. Okay, yes. Hey, all right. Photo shoots. Okay. Biggest change that has happened in the last six months. Uh-huh. We've started doing our photo shoots the day after the reveal. Yes. You must do this. It is a life changer. 
we used to do the photo shoot like weeks or months later. Then I would have to source all those accessories again, bring everything in. The client's house was a mess. So I'd be tidying, I'd be Windexing, I'd be cleaning counters. Mm -hmm. And then I'd have to take all those accessories back, put the client's accessories back into place. So time consuming and I couldn't bill for that time. Yeah. So doing the photo shoot the day after the reveal means we leave all the beautiful accessories for the client to enjoy that night. They know in advance that we're going to shoot it the next day. We come in, we shoot it. By then they know what they want to keep and what they don't want to keep. So then at the end of the photo shoot, we just take away what they don't want. Oh, I like that. And then it's done. And then like, for example, the condo that I did, the client hadn't moved in yet. So we didn't have all their personal stuff that we had to worry about. Yeah. Okay. And in your experience, do your like do you find that clients even want to return a whole lot after you've like made it look so amazing? It really depends. Uh it depends on how much stuff they already have that they care about. Yeah. They don't typically return a lot. Um, but in that case, in the in the condo case, because they hadn't moved in yet, they were like, Oh, we still have a lot of stuff in boxes. I don't know if we're gonna be able to fit everything. We love this. Can you take it back? And if we decide we want it, can you buy it again? And I said, sure, no problem. Yeah. So it's kind of case by case. Yeah. Okay, I need to be doing that. And am I already not doing that? Um, how many times do you find that you actually well, maybe not anymore, but did you find that you ever had projects where you're like, well, you know, it's great, but it just doesn't really fit my aesthetic. So it's not like I want to photograph this because I don't, I'm not looking to get more of this style that I don't feel is a totally, totally. Okay. Took me a long time to figure that out. And now I I have lots of projects I've done that I haven't photographed less now because I I think people are starting to come to me for, for my design aesthetic, which is amazing, but it's only because I would only, you know, you have to start promoting the spaces that are a true reflection of your design aesthetic. Cause otherwise you're going to continue to attract the client that likes, you know, I don't know what, like fluorescent yellow when you really yeah. hate fluorescent yellow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I definitely, and it's hard because I feel almost bad. Like the client's like, well, why isn't she photographing my house? Maybe right. You got to get over that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. That's tough. I had a client who was like, Oh, I can't wait for our house to be in a magazine. Cause you've been featured in magazines. And I'm back in my head. I'm like, Oh my God, I really don't want to photograph it. Cause oh, yeah. I didn't get to decorate it. And yeah. oh. oh man. Well, Oh my God. Okay. Anything else, any other things that you had maybe written down? You're like, Oh, I wish I had had an opportunity to talk about that. Um, the only other notepad. thing I wanted, yeah, no, the only thing I have written here in like big bold letters on my notepad is there's always going to be a lemon job. Okay. I had a giant lemon job and you maybe haven't had one yet. Maybe you oh. have where literally everything continues to go wrong. No matter what you're doing, you just can't make that client happy. Perhaps they're the wrong client for you, but it's too late now because you're yep. already into it. Yeah. And, you know, and then it's almost like Murphy's law. So then there's an issue with something to do with construction, but then there's another issue or there's a something wrong with the fabric. I had a job like that and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because everything that happened in that job was a learning experience. And the yeah. client literally sat me down at the end of the job and said to me, Rebecca, we love you. We think you're lovely and we love the what the design that you've done, but... We found your process chaotic. We had unexpected billing. We really weren't happy with how it all went down, which at the time was so hard. And I took, I take everything personally. Oh yeah. Me too. I'm super sensitive that way. And, and that's what really led me to refine my entire process and do the fixed fee and really up the ante with our customer service. So if you have a lemon job, if you've had one, or oh. if you haven't, guaranteed you will get one one day, and I'll probably still have more. I don't think yeah. that's it for me. But you just have to treat it as a learning experience. And the installation, specifically, the reason we do what we do is because of that job. Because I didn't have an installation day. I didn't have a reveal. <laughs> so know. all I did was dribs and drabs. So the chair would arrive and then they would second guess the chair. Well, it looks a little big for the space. I don't, and I would have to then reassure them. And then yep. the sofa would arrive, but the drapes weren't in yet. And then the drapes came. It was literally a disaster. They questioned everything. I returned so many items in that project. 
I'm still stuck with a light fixture in my office to this date that was yeah. for their dining room that looked amazing, but they were really unhappy because the plate was rectangular. The ceiling medallion that existed was circular. You know, I should have caught that for sure. It was my fault. Yeah. Uh, baby brain. I'm going to call it. I was pregnant, yeah. but little things like that kept happening. And so after that, I vowed to only ever do a proper installation where we hold everything Yep. And then we bring it all in at once. The so if you're already doing that, you are ahead of the game, girl. No, the exact same thing happened to me. What you're saying right now, it happened to me. I, I took a <laughs> table with me. I ate a lot of things at that project. And I, I really, truly, wholeheartedly believe if it had been an installation day situation, it, it would have been very different. And certain things would not have been like, oh, the table's too small or this or whatever. It, it all would have been so different. And now it's like, it's a non-negotiable. If you're not willing to work like that with me, then I'm not the designer for you because I'm just not doing totally. it. And you know what? That's Horrible. what people want. People want that because they see that on TV Yeah, and they actually expect that. Yeah. Just took me a really long time to figure it out. <laughs> you know what? I, the only reason I even knew, but I was so resistant to it. I, in my head, I just kept thinking, nobody's going to pay for that. You know, right. like it, I've just really found that I have to mentally accept and believe like a client will pay. Like, just like I never believed a client would hand over a $50,000 check for furniture to me before. But as soon as I allowed myself to believe it, like, well, other designers are doing this. Like they're not, they're not special, you know, like they're, they're doing it. If they can do it, so can I. And as totally. soon as I just said, oh yeah, no, a client will. And you just tell them that at the beginning, then they do. Yeah. So it's all about like, I have to, it's anytime I need to like change something that I'm resistant to, I have to first let my brain believe and accept certain things before it can happen for me. <laughs> That's what I've learned well, about myself. You're totally on the fast track, Michelle. I'm very, I'm like so impressed with where you're at given the amount of time you've been doing it. So you're totally killing it. Oh, Don't be hard you. on yourself. I uh, It's like this. I know. I'm working I know. on that. Definitely. <laughs> it is. Sometimes I just have to remind myself like, okay, this is a team of like 10, 10 people. There are different, like their budgets, like mm-hmm. exactly what you said. It's like, we're not comparing apples to apples to your people. And you need to, you can't compare yourself to everybody. And you know. It's like, I heard a quote. It's like, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Exactly. Yes. And it's like, we all fall victim to that. Like I last night had like a down spiral where I was on social media and I just went from having a great day to like feeling yeah. so awful about myself and my business and where I was at. It yeah. was all in my head because I can't compare where I'm at with somebody who's been doing this for double the amount of time. Yeah. Like you just, you can't, you can't do that because it doesn't serve anybody. No, exactly. But it is, it's, reassuring it's not like oh I'm happy you felt that way but it's nice to hear people who are in a successful place like they totally too right which is just kind of proves that it's all bullshit and we just need to get over it and move on and that's why podcasts like yours are fantastic because it shows other designers that we're all in the same boat right Mm -hmm. we're at different stages but we've all been through it we're going through it and that's why I think it's awesome that I know you're doing it to help yourself learn, but you're also helping all these other designers in the same, at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I, I get a lot of amazing feedback, so it encourages me to keep doing it too. Um, like, of course it's selfish, but I'm like obviously hoping that it helps other people too. Completely. So, uh, well, I am so happy that you finally made this happen. And maybe if you're down in a few months, we could, we could go for like a round two about another topic if you're into it. Totally. Lots of topics out there to cover. Right? <laughs> I'd be open that, for like, times on this one. Like that's a whole other podcast. So yeah, totally. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you on social and your website? Yeah. So my website is RebeccaHayDesigns.com and on, uh, sorry, Instagram, it's at Rebecca Hay Designs. And that's pretty much where I'm at. Most of the time is on Instagram. So you can find me there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks. You too, Michelle. Take care. Okay. Bye. How freaking awesome was Rebecca? So I've been following her on Instagram for a good while and I'm just blown away by the project she's working on and she's doing an awesome job too, as far as media is concerned. And maybe that's a topic we could tackle on another podcast in the future. So Rebecca, if you're listening to this, I'm coming for you on the media topic. 
Um, anyways, guys, if you enjoyed that, please share the love, tell your friends, tell other designers about the podcast. And of course, maybe leave a review, tell, tell us, tell other people, um, what you think of it. It does help the podcast get found. So I'm super keen to obviously keep, um, doing this podcast to help myself, but let's be real. I, I am really keen to help others as well. So do that. I'm going to find another little uh, review to read, guys, because you know what? I appreciate that people take the time to do it. So why not share, uh, do a little shout out for these people? Okay, this one is from ISG580, aka IZG5180. Okay. Amazing for an aspiring interior decorator was the old headline. Michelle, I feel like you are me, but in the future, you are asking all the questions I have in my mind right now. I'm so grateful for your boldness to own your newbiness and ask seasoned designers the questions that I'm always dying to know the answers to. Your podcast is such a great resource for someone like me who is thinking about getting into the field with absolutely no background or formal training and having an interview style like yours where you keep it so real is so appreciated. Thank you so much, ISG58180. Super appreciate it. Um, I feel you. You know I had no formal training, totally self-taught, and there is a steep learning curve to this business. That is the truth. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. One more, just for funsies. Am I right? Okay. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm not reading one. Okay, I think I read that one before. Okay, did I read this one? Okay, I already read that one. Okay, this podcast is taking a real bad turn right now. I'm losing anybody who's still listening. Okay, great podcast for interior design. Thank you, Tara Visit a Designer. Tara Visit a Designer. Uh, I have enjoyed this podcast a lot. I like that she has questions that she personally needs answers to because they typically fall right in line with why her listeners are tuning in. Great information and tips gleaned from each episode. Thank you, Tara Vista, visit a designer. Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you this week. Uh, please tune in next week because I do have another one geared and I, I really wish I was better planned so I could tell you what the next week's topic was about, but... I just don't have my shit that together, so I'm not going to pretend to. Um, so I'm barely squeaking by most weeks. So uh, please stay tuned. Go uh, follow me at Business Homies, the Facebook group uh, where you can request access. Please answer the questions. It's It has to be very obvious to me, your designer, if you don't answer the questions for me to accept you. But that's where I go live and share other things along the way, kind of share my journey, the ups and the downs. And uh, the, oh, you know what else you should do? You should follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to get to 2,000 followers there. So find me at michellebennett.design and give me some love. Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you. Talk to you next week. Bye, homies. Bye.